Hey guys, and welcome to the Family Business Indaba podcast. We are the voice of African family business, promoting generational wealth and generational legacies. And my name is Susan Tendi. And I am Nika Amani. And we're going to be taking you through the journey of African family business. Hi everyone and welcome to the fourth session of the second day of the African Family Business Research Conference. In this session, we're going to be having a panel discussion. We're going to try to summarize and bring together all the conversations and presentations that have happened this morning. And if you missed those presentations, we had one by Mr. Raymond Mutura, Mr. Hayden Haidakis, and Professor Almarie Venter. They're all going to be part of this panel, included is Dr. Tony Machabahove. Welcome to all my panelists. And so to kick off the session, I'm just going to ask Professor Venter, who was my co-chair this morning, to just summarize some of the main points from the three sessions from this morning before I pose the first question. Over to you, Elmarie. Thank you so much, Titi, and uh, thank you for chairing the session. You do it definitely better than I do. I either take too long or too quick. Um, This morning's session was mainly, I think, about uh, innovation, broadly speaking, um, in family and non-family businesses. Raymond, just to summarize, is starting his PhD journey, and he's going to specifically look at digital innovation adoption in family businesses in an African context. And in his model, his outcomes at this stage are um, looking also at the availability, um, the ability and the willingness of family businesses, you know, to adopt innovation. And then Hayden specifically, we looked at the factors that influence um, innovation in SMEs, small and medium-sized businesses. And we try to compare the two and to see uh, whether there's any differences because um People that work on innovation in family businesses know that there's a big paradox existing in innovation research. So some authors say, no, family businesses are more innovative and some innov- uh, um, family businesses are less innovative. And then um, I specifically looked at the um, entrepreneurial orientation as, as a sort of a subcomponent of uh, innovation. And we specifically investigated that amongst nine African countries, and we included all five dimensions of entrepreneurial orientation, namely risk-taking, innovativeness, proactiveness, competitive aggressiveness, and I forgot the other one now. Okay, and then um, why we invited Tony as well is Tony finished his PhD last year, and his um, participants were from three different um, African countries. And it was very interesting in his study, Tony also investigated some of the dimensions or the dimensions of EO. It was part of uh, this framework. And I think it would be very interesting for Tony also to mention, you know, I've in my presentation mentioned that what is innovative or innovation or innovativeness in a global context is not necessarily perceived as the same in an African context. So it would be very interesting for Tony to perhaps say something on that because he has found that in his study. So, um, yeah, 
Titi, that's that's sort of a summary of of where we are. Thank you so much, Elmarie. So to kick off this panel, I am going to go to our first presenter and I'm going to pose the question to you, Raymond. However, I'm going to ask each one of our panelists to contribute towards um, the thoughts that uh, Raymond may have on this. So Raymond, you spoke about innovativeness and digital in family business. Is there not a big gap between a small family business and a medium-sized one? And in other words, can we lump together? Can we lump them together as SMEs? Um, and what I'm trying to ask here is: Is it not too broad to lump SMEs together? Uh, is there not a big difference between a small and a medium-sized business? And also, would there be a difference in a family versus a non-family business when investigating innovation and digital innovation and entrepreneurial orientation? Yeah, thank you, Titsi, for that question. Uh, very relevant question. Um, yeah, I, I, well, in, at least in, uh, in Kenya, what we have done is we, 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 we talk about micro, small, and medium enterprises. And uh, the micro enterprises, which form the larger of the four MSMEs, are, um, are, you could, they're more informal. So, um, so you could say that really uh, the, the challenges they will have uh, informal versus a bit more structured business in M, 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 small and medium size is, is exactly not the same. But from uh, just a digital innovation perspective and looking at you know, the direction that digital innovation is taking in, in our continent around the use of mobile technology, you could say the opportunities for innovations are almost similar. Um, if you look at both uh, formal and informal, uh, and that they can then take advantage of growing their businesses or expanding their businesses or uh, being more efficient uh, using mobile technology. So from a digital innovation perspective, uh, I think the opportunities are the same. Uh, from other perspectives, it could be different, and probably from a structure point of view, how you need to do your business or how you need to put together everything else, the, the approaches would be different. That, that's what I would say to that question. Thank you. Thank you. And Hayden? Uh, yeah, I'd have to agree with Raymond. Um, he makes a good point in that there would probably be some kind of differences given the whole different structure of a small business compared to a medium business, given that a small business can be anything from having 10 to 20 employees, whereas a medium-sized uh, business could have up to 250 employees. So there'd be a lot of different um, strategic and um, structural differences between the two. And in my study in particular, we even looked at businesses with five to 10 employees, which form, fall more into the, the category of a micro-enterprise. But we did that just to, to get a, a broader context of the businesses, because a lot of businesses are actually micro. But uh, yeah, I think it would be interesting for, for studies to look at the differences between small and medium businesses, instead of just lumping them together as SMEs and comparing them to large businesses, given how different they are to one another as well. Tony, do you have anything to yeah, add there? That's my opinion. Uh, thank you, Titsi. Um, I think my two, co two colleagues have touched touched on the main areas. I, will, I would just further emphasize that um, with regards to small and medium-sized businesses, I think your, your resource capabilities as well in terms of amount of resources you put into innovative activities has a big, will have a big impact then on how innovative and how we can look at the differences between small and medium-sized businesses. So the size does matter. And I think looking at the differences, like what Hayden spoke about, 
definitely uh, give some extra insights that are valuable um, and that we can learn from. Marie? Uh, and Titi, it's a very good question. And it's a question I get at every single conference, academic conference I attend. And um, perhaps my other colleagues um, researching on the African continent, especially Shelley, will also tell you that our biggest challenge uh, doing research in Africa on family businesses is Unlike Europe and the U.S. and other countries, we don't have a readily available database of family businesses that we can access. So the, the short answer to your question is yes, it is, it's not right to lump them all together. But we have certain definitions of what is an SME. And um, the only thing we can do is when we describe the literature is to talk about an SME because we don't have enough data to separate the small and the medium-sized business. And I think that is the biggest challenge. Of course, it would be fantastic uh, if we can separate them and compare them. But I think from a practical research point of view, that is our challenge, is that we we struggle to to get a sample, never mind, you know, distinguishing between the different sizes. So I definitely think size will matter. It would be interesting in Raymond's case to see, for example, if digital innovation almost leveled the playing ground, because I think uh, technology is still in in the perception of many small businesses expensive, but I think digital innovation may may, um, give them access to innovation that they might not have had before. So I think, um, I don't know what Raymond thinks about that, but I think that is always a very big consideration when one thinks about innovation is that, um, and perhaps Tony can also comment on that, that what we see as innovative in uh, innovation or innovativeness in the traditional literature is not perhaps the same as how the perception is in Africa. So, yeah. Right. Um, I'm going to go back to, to Raymond here and um, address some of what um, Elmaria said. I think we've seen what has been happening on the ground with with the pandemic where everybody went digital by force, by fire. We all had to find some way to keep our businesses afloat and to ensure that we were delivering on the products or services that we were supplying to our clients and our customers. So, in your research, Raymond, do you think that the COVID pandemic increased the willingness and, and ability of family businesses to adopt digital innovation? Or was it more of they were forced into a situation where they had no choice? And was it something that proved to be expensive for them? Or did they start realizing that digital probably made their overhead costs a little lighter? Yeah, thank you, Titi, for that question. I, I think what the COVID uh, uh, pandemic did is that it actually facilitated, you could say, a bit more of the knowledge on what is available, which you could term is is more towards you know realizing that actually uh, I, I kind of get ability. I kind of, uh, as a small little firm, realize that it's actually possible for me to uh, decide to use some form of technology, some form of uh, innovation to reach out to my customers, to innovate in ways of getting collection, fees collections. Of course, in Africa and particularly in Kenya, we've uh, really worked around uh, the mobile technology. In fact, it's become a mode of uh, having to receive payments 
uh, and it, it, has, it, was, it has really expanded during the COVID period. So what happened is that we got the ability, of course, before people were shying off from uh, using any of the innovations that are available, out of probably thinking it is complex, or it's not doable, it's too much hassle. But what COVID did is it gave us ability by forcing us, it kind of forced us <laughs> to move towards using what has always been there. And I think from that, uh, we've seen that people have eventually gotten into an adoption mode. Uh, they are ready to adopt, they are ready to test, uh, they are ready to use the technology. They, I mean, very many people have were pushed to even, you know, doing meetings in this kind of forum, including people who probably would never have considered that they can use a, a Zoom facility for meeting, for discussions. So uh, this gave us ability, and I think it kind of leapfrogged what would have been the process of adopting uh, innovations in, in the farms. Thank you, Raymond. Um, Elmarie, would you like to add to that? Yeah, no, I I support Raymond. I think uh, the COVID has forced many businesses to consider alternative ways of doing business, you know, especially families, you know. Um, they were forced to actually meet online, which I think would never have been the case two years back, you know. They wouldn't even consider that. And I think COVID forced them to to adopt other technological avenues. Now, I agree with that. Antonio? Um uh, I think COVID, what COVID has done uh, has actually magnified what I found in my research was about um, innovative, the way we talk about innovation in general, and when we talk about innovation in the African context, we're looking more at your incremental innovation in the African context. So you're looking at innovative, innovation in terms of enhancing your existing processes and activities when you're looking in uh, using technology. So um, Zoom is not a new thing. Using mobile payments is not a new thing. Um, all the systems that we're using now are not necessarily new things. They were things that existed already, but now with COVID, you're being forced to implement, how to see how they can enhance and enhance your current way of doing things. So in, improving your processes and improving your um, systems is probably what COVID has enhanced um, in terms of adoption of technology in the, uh, the way we do business, especially as a family business as well. And I like Prof Elmery's point about the meetings. I think that's a positive thing in that as family as family members wouldn't necessarily have met so often if you're not except face-to-face, but now with technology coming into the process, that also has enabled a lot more face-to-face contact or a face-to-face via Zoom contact and, uh, and maybe made a lot of the things which seem more tedious a bit easier. Absolutely. And Hayden, before I let you answer that, I have got a question for you. Looking at um, my previous question and also the, the conversation around how difficult it is to identify family businesses and engage them in terms of research. How did you go about building your sampling frame of family and non-family SMEs? Um, I know we heard several times yesterday that it was it, it's, it's hard to find family business respondents to participate in research. I think with most families, they feel like when you participate in anything that talks about family, especially you're exposing your family and putting your dirty laundry out there. And if you are speaking about business, you're letting out uh, the family recipes and the, the competition might come right to your doorstep. What has been your experience? And especially with the use of technology, has that made that any easier? Yes, for sure. Um, I can't imagine how difficult it would have been if I had to go door to door to distribute questionnaires. So having the whole email online questionnaire thing made it a lot easier. 
And I was also fortunate enough to have the family business unit's database. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, so don't, uh, don't, don't look for me. But I was fortunate enough to have that and have access to that for, for some contacts. And we also made use of an external company with a database of just SMEs in general. That also helped a bit, but the response rate was a lot lower than it was hoped for. And uh, we assume that was probably because, you know, people don't really like just receiving random emails, asking for um, help with questionnaires and stuff. COVID, as well, a lot of businesses have closed. A lot of them have um, suffered from financial difficulties given the pandemic. So maybe they wouldn't have been um, too keen to um, offer off their, their financial situation, essentially, even if it is a vague question. But uh, yeah, with regard to that, uh, with regard to the last question as well, I just wanted to add that um, in my study, um, I can't remember what I was going to say. Sorry, okay, continue. No problem. Um, and then looking at uh, the, the question that I posed to Hayden, um, Tony, looking at doing research and using innovation and digital, how has been it? How has been the experience from the African context? Do you think this is something that's going to help us deepen the research that we have on the African content uh, on the continent, as well as research on understanding family businesses better? Uh, how how are we going to use digital innovation to engage the families? And what has your usage of it been so far? Thank you, Cynthia. That's a great question. Um, I think it's a double-edged sword. On the one hand, take this uh, technology has given us access to or enable us to contact, link contact with businesses from which we would not have reached, uh, been able to reach. But at the same time, um, you mentioned earlier about uh, family businesses not wanting to give away their secrets or not wanting to let you in on what's going on. So you still, this, the, the, the technology enables you to get in contact with the business, but you still need to establish the relationship and maybe the trust to be able to now uh, properly research or get the information you need for the research that you want to do. So I've, I feel it's good that in terms of finding out what businesses are out there, and making contact with them, but we're still uh, in the family business, African family business context. If you don't have that trust, you're not going to be able to uh, get participants to uh, to participate in your studies to be able to research further. So, uh, as I say, it's a double-edged sword. Thank you, Tony. And Elmarie, how do you believe that we can use um, digital innovation to start that trust building with family businesses? It's obviously looking like it is the future and uh, being innovative is something that we really have to push for for as a continent because we're, we're competing on a global level and being online just verifies that. Now, now, I agree with my colleague, Tony, 100%. I think it's definitely a double-edged sword. And I think research in general is difficult. I think, uh, you know, people are suffering from uh, research fatigue. Uh, you know, our questionnaires, unfortunately, sometimes are very long. Our interviews are very long. So um, I think the academic process is is, is difficult. And, and that's why, um, and, and I again want to iter- reiterate, you know, if I speak to my colleagues that... Um, Certain units overseas or universities overseas, you know, they they have response response rates of over a thousand per study or two thousand or even more. We simply don't have that uh, sampling frame, and that's why I think a conference like this is 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 so invaluable. Um, and as you say, Titi, um, it's also educating families that we don't always or most often we don't ask personal questions. You know, we ask 
uh, valid and reliable skills. And it's more general questions and perceptions that we ask. And we also at our university, and we all went through that. And Raymond, you're also going to go through that. But we go through a very strict ethics um, application process. So um, before any of us can do any research from a master's level up upwards, we have to get an ethics number. So our university institution is very strict on that. So I think a forum like this is also a very good forum to put family businesses' minds at ease, you know, that we will never uh, research something that will damage the business. But the whole purpose, I think, of all of our research is to come with practical contributions on how they can, you know, uh, not over, only survive, but really prosper in an African context. Because um, in our research, Tony's research welcomes research, our research on EO, I think not only size matter, but culture does matter. You know, even in a country like Zimbabwe, South Africa, Nigeria, you know, within a country, there's so many cultures. So I think uh, it's important to also stress the heterogeneous nature of African family businesses that, you know, it's not only SMEs, but it's also the cultural influence might also have an impact on whatever you are researching. Thank you, Almarie. And as a follow-up question, Elmarie, do you consider other outcomes and influences for the next round of the African Family Business Barometer, specifically concerning social-emotional wealth and entrepreneurial orientation? Now, that's also a very good question and one that we get often. I think uh, Raymond is going to attest that to that soon. Uh, Tony, you also had that challenge, and I think Hayden also had that challenge, is, is the what should be your independent variable or the outcomes of your research? You know, what specifically want, want, do you want to achieve with digital innovations? Uh, what do you want to achieve with innovation output, especially in an African context? So um, a challenge that Hayden and I had that I have with William as well, you know, what, what should you put there? Is it, is your, is your, should you be more uh, growing faster? Should you be more profitable? Should you be more successful? And what does success mean? We talked about that yesterday as well. Because uh, we find more and more, and it came out yesterday as well, that something like social emotional wealth, for those uh, people on the panel or on the audience that doesn't know um, what it means, it means that it's a theory explaining the behavior of family businesses. And it claims that family businesses attach as much importance to non-financial goals as financial goals. And I think for a future study, it would also be interesting, and also in Raymond's case, to look at what is the influence of socio-emotional wealth, because it's, it's actually the influence of the family on digital innovation decisions, on innovation decisions, or any decisions that's being made. Because I think that that that's sort of the new direction that research is taking is to 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 influence the the family or the, to investigate the family influence on whatever you are researching. Thank you, Almarie. Uh, does anyone else want to add to that? Okay, I'm going to move on to the next question, and it's for all the panelists. Um, I will start with Tony. Um, why do you think that business innovation adoption, entrepreneurial orientation, and innovation would be different? Or family businesses compared to non-family businesses? Um, I think that the, it would be different from family businesses when it comes to their non-family businesses, uh, mainly due to the nature of family businesses, first of all. 
Um, the adoption of innovative practices also has an element of risk-taking. If you look at the EO spectrum, innovativeness, proactiveness, risk-taking, and autonomy. And our, not, our family businesses tend to be not as risk-taking as your non-family businesses. And therefore, that, that um, conservativeness also can filter through into the way they allocate resources in terms of into innovative activities. And um, uh, also looking at, as you said previously, the nature of innovation in your family business, and especially in the African context, is not necessarily the same as innovation as you speak about in general. So definitely the, that would be the, the, the main differences that I would see, I think we'd see. And then also, uh, I think not, instead of, uh, not only can we look at family and non-family, we can also look at the type of industry that they operate in, because the type of industry they operate in has a very big significant influence in terms of the technological innovation that will take place in that business. So, um, and, and therefore, resources invested to enhance those processes and uh, activities of the business. So I think there is a difference in between the two, uh, just the nature of family versus non-family businesses. Thank you, Tony and Raymond. You are on mute. Thank you, Titi, for that question. Uh, I, I think, uh, I mean, looking at the theory that we have from those who are evaluating family farming innovations, uh, the, 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 and I think Professor Elmarie has hinted on it, that uh, the, the family always considers um, their non-economic uh, factors as critical. Um, and, uh, you know, this is all the, the, the family-related issues, uh, the f- family concerns, the, the fact that they are involved uh, um, uh, already creates a new dimension on how they look at their fa- the family business. So from that perspective, then, uh, even when they have to consider innovations, which is, well, look, we're going to have to do this to get ourselves from here to here, uh, these considerations will come in. Yeah, that, uh, well, there are these concerns we have as a family. So they, they kind of need to be sorted out, if you were to put it that way. Uh, if then they have to say, look, then for, for the sake of our family, family, we are going to move forward. So before we move forward, we, we need to sort out these, uh, you know, relationship issues around how we perceive uh, the innovations that are available. So uh, this is very unique to the, to the family. Uh, and, and unless this is done, then it, it, it's, it's not going to be easy for them to move on to, to make decisions that will take them to the next level. So unlike a, a, a family farm, I mean, an family farm, you see, the, the considerations are always purely based on we have a business to run, let's do it. Yeah, We don't have to consider all this emotional uh, wealth that is within the family. Uh, we have we are more objective when you are a non-family farm in making decisions around innovations. So they are different from that perspective, and uh, therefore, what needs to be inculcated is 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 this combination of an ability on one hand and a willingness. Yeah, we need to be make, we need to be willed to eventually make decisions to make our family farm uh, adopt new technologies or adopt innovations. Thank you, Raymond. And Elmarie? Yeah, I uh, agree uh, with what my colleagues have said and also what Tony just mentioned. And that is that if you look at um, the nature of family businesses, they definitely, um, you know, they don't take radical risks. 
Um, perhaps in the case of manufacturing businesses, some of the bigger ones, um, like we heard yesterday. But I think what, what we need to consider is that the businesses, and perhaps Tony can also speak on that, is that the businesses in Africa are mostly second generation family businesses. You know, we can't compare ourselves to Europe where many businesses are fifth, six, seven, 20 generations. So that also makes, a, I think, have an influence on, on, on the decisions that you make. And then to just support Tony in terms of that, uh, we talked about it, Titi, in your presentation yesterday and in that of Ellen and Craig. And that's the whole issue of long-term orientation. You know, family businesses, um, as Raymond said, not only make non-economic uh, uh, financial decisions, but they also take a long-term approach. You know, it's in their DNA to transfer the business to next generations and to leave a legacy. And I think that definitely also influenced that you sacrifice short-term gains uh, in terms of preserving the, the business for future generations. Um, and last but not least, Hayden, but I'm going to add a little twist to your question, Hayden, to add to that. Do you think that there are also external factors that influence the innovation output? Yes, for sure. So um, to start with, in my study, it was interesting that... Um, Family and non-family SMEs are actually found to be pretty much the same in terms of their innovation outputs, and they're all considered innovation to be pretty important. So I think it's a fairly subjective process in determining what's going to affect a particular business's capabilities. If you look at one family business, they might have a completely different situation to another one. So I think it, it also depends largely on specific businesses, which I think gives reason to qualitative research to to delve deeper into the underlying issues. Um, can you just repeat the question for me again? Yes, sure. Sorry. The question was, why do you think digital innovation adoption and entrepreneurial orientation and innovation would be different for family businesses compared to non-family businesses? Yeah, I did that one, uh, the one after that. Sorry. Right. <laughs> Are there not external factors that could influence innovation output? Yes, for sure. So also, again, in my study, we looked at, I think it was six independent variables that were mainly internal factors. Um, but there are obviously many external factors. In South Africa, big things are things like crime and things like load shedding. So there are a lot of, also a lot of hurdles that businesses have to overcome in order to, to excel in their field and in their, in their market. And they might have to come up with additional innovations, particularly in countries like South Africa or other developing countries where they have other hurdles to overcome and they have to consider things like crime and um, load shedding and things like that. So, yeah. Yes, the moment you said crime and load shedding, I just thought this is also Zimbabwe. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much to all our panelists for this session. I would just like to do another roundtable and allow everyone to have um, a final word on the discussion that we have had and your take of the papers that were presented this morning. I will start with you, Hayden. Uh, I think it was very interesting to hear um, Profenta and uh, Raymond's perspective on, on innovation. And it's, it's interesting where the field is going, particularly in family businesses. Family businesses are a really interesting field. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. Tony? Yes, I concur with Hayden. And uh, in particular, um, Raymond looked touching on technology and uh, innovation in the African context. I think that is... Uh, an area that we really need to 
uh, find out more about and I think we can learn from and that uh, the family businesses, we can definitely give some practical implications and advice from there. Thank you, Tony. Raymond? Well, two comments. One is, uh, I think, hey, uh, that has alluded to it, but we need to probably get into a lot of qualitative studies to understand, you know, the minds behind and some of the decisions of how family businesses approach things. Uh, so probably there will be a need to increase a lot of uh, qualitative studies in this. And then secondly, of course, uh, I, I, I think in Kenya and also just generally in Africa, uh, mobile as a digital innovation, innovation is, is fundamental. Maybe some of the studies will have to look at this because I mean, the last one of the studies that I looked at uh, was looking at the socioeconomic um, impact of mobile uh, money. And uh, I think that is what is closer, closer home uh, from an innovation perspective. Probably it's easier to look at the socioeconomic uh, contributions to mobile money. And maybe this will eventually help or, you know, uh, create a level, level playing ground on uh, what family farms can do from an innovation perspective, I mean, driven by digital innovations. Thank you very much. Thank you, Raymond. And finally, Elmarie. Um, I just want to say thank you for a very interesting discussion and presentations. Um, I learn every day, every session, and it just, I'm, I'm so excited, but I'm also uh, anxious because I just realized when I listen to all these speakers how important, how critical it is that we do more research in an African context and that we consider, you know, as, as Hayden also referred to the unique challenges, you know, we sit with very unique challenges and Raymond also emphasized, you know, mobile um, applications. I think it's critical for all aspects of life. And as and also in Tony's study, you know, there, there are no answers we need to know. And we can only know that when we do more in-depth research, which is not an easy task. So um, thank you very much for everyone's contribution. And I, I just want to emphasize again that we need everyone's cooperation to do proper research. Because as you said, Titi, yesterday as well, you know, our identity also lies in the quality that we present. And, and we can present the same type of findings then overseas, but we need the help of family owners to, to be able to do the research among their businesses. Thank you so much for sharing a, a good session. Thank you. And to everybody who's with us now, look forward to seeing you again at 4 p.m. CAT when we resume our sessions for the afternoon. Thank you once again.